Welcome to Modern Babylon. This is Cultural Contrarian, also known as Ryan Miller. Um, I wanted to invite you to come all, along an educational journey with me. I've done a couple of podcasts in the, in the archive now that um, are kind of giving you some, I, I, I should say, out of context sound bites regarding to some issues that I've been dealing with in a, in a local school board. And what I would like to do is to kind of walk through some underpinning education for everyone. So what I would like to do is to take a step back and help us understand that there is so much that we believe to be true could actually be wrong and that we have power as citizens, but that power requires a tremendous amount of knowledge and understanding of where we derive that power. And th this is kind of like we've never been taught this in school, and we won't be taught it in school. Our children are not learning the Constitution, because if they were to learn the Constitution in school and understand the power of the Bill of Rights, they would have a more educated, equipped, and empowered youth coming through academia that would see that we were living under a complete tyrannical system and that they would rebel. So because of the power differential inside of our educational institutions, that you submit to my authority or I'm going to affect your grade, that power differential between the professor and the student that goes all through college keeps people in their place. Now, our entire system is about keeping people in their place. Some people refer to it to, as a glass ceiling or the corporate veil. But when we deal with the difference between the corporate relationships, businesses, and that the difference between public servants and private citizens, the oppression is completely different. So in, in the private domain, you have the enforcers. And the enforcers are, are tied to disciplinary actions inside the corporate environment which could have effects on your compensation, your benefits, your, your um, uh, bonus structure, vacation time. And those can be handled through termination and you seek other employment and they can be arbitrated for unemployment benefits through a mediation process if there's something untoward that happens in there. But on the public servant side of things, the enforcement is behind a gun. So there's a, a great, great divide, great separation between the powers inside of the corporate relationship for public, public service, private service, pardon me, than in the public servant domain. We're not told on how to hold our public officials accountable. We have been indoctrinated how we are supposed to respect, honor, and submit to their authority without regards to whether it's being lawful or not. And we have power to hold our public servants accountable. And that power is derived from a couple of different areas. So what I want to do is I want to build this foundation of understanding as to where we derive our power. And it comes from our Constitution, our Bill of Rights. But then beyond that, so understand that our 
we have been taught that the supreme law of the land is the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, and our Constitution. That is the supreme law of the land. But that's not actually correct. The supreme law of the land is derived based upon Supreme Court precedent and rulings based upon the numerous cases that are brought before them as they interpret and potentially legislate. Yes, our Supreme Court is not a legislative body, but they have a pattern and practice of legislating from the bench, as in Roe v. Wade, which was a legislative effort taken by the Supreme Court, as to elements of Terry v. Ohio and um, the Affordable Care Act, blatant commerce tax levied based upon the Supreme Court ruling. So the Supreme Court precedent is really the supreme law of the land. Now, we have never been taught any of the Supreme Court precedent rulings, such as Terry v. Ohio or Frazier v. Cup or Graham v. Connor. The list is long. And this, this re resides in the domain of the study of those people that want to go down um, to become a JD. They want to become an attorney. And they're going to go through many of these landmark cases, these precedent-establishing cases. The reason you hear it coming out of my mouth is that I know that there's a different standard as applied by our courts. And that's a reasonableness standard. And that has been decided in the Supreme Court precedent in Graham v. Connor. And that it's the reasonableness standard says it's not reasonable for public servants to know all the laws they are to enforce, to know the limits of their ability to enforce them, nor to re accurately represent them. And that is anyone in public servant in service, all the way up to a judge. It's not reasonable, according to Graham v. Connor, that a judge would know the intimacies or the intricacies of a particular law at, while he's sitting at the bench. And he has to exit himself from the bench, go to his legal support team, the clerks, whomever, and do the research and crack open the, the law books and the case studies that those making the arguments, and he has to verify it. And then sometimes the jury will make a decision or sometimes the judge makes a decision based upon that research and the, the, the depth of arguments. So it's not reasonable for the judge to know the law. He's afforded the time. Now for us citizens, Ignorance of the law is not a defense against the law, particularly in a court of law. So with that Grand v. Connor ruling, the Supreme Court has told us, we the people, when we encounter a public servant that is improperly, incorrectly, whether intentionally or not, misrepresenting or misstating the law, that we have to inform them. We have to inform law enforcement, sir, you're, you're incorrectly representing the code for trespass. I encourage you to go look at Title 18, Subchapter 3503, and read the bullet item one as to who has a license to be on public property. Your reference of subitem D is based upon the pre predicate of item one, that I don't have a license to be here. If you don't understand this law, I encourage you to call the district attorney because you're doing something unlawful now. You're using your authority unlawfully because I'm providing you information to correct your unlawful statement, your in 
your misrepresentation. And I'm also advising you to, to verify this with the district attorney or get your supervisor. Now, unfortunately, that is what the Supreme Court requires us to do. But on the other side of the equation, it's not reasonable to have a debate on the sidewalk regarding the law. And the enforcers have the authority and the protection through qualified immunity to still act even when hearing that information. And the way that that is settled is inside the courtroom. So that officer can do something unlawful at any time to a citizen and they can go, oops, I'm sorry, after you've taken your ride, you've been predatorily groped by blue-gloved dungeon masters and booked. And when it gets to the court, depending upon what your, your behavior is, can have that case dismissed. But you'll never beat that, that blue glove groping or that illegal detainment or trespassing or kidnapping or whatever it is. All that unlawful stuff gets a pass. And the only way to hold them accountable is to hold them personally accountable, not through the complaint process, but to take them to court. Now, what I just verbally vomited thus far is just a snapshot and what I want to do is to put, that, let's call it scaffolding, for lack of a better word, and that I want to provide you some base of information as to where we derive power, where we can hold our public servants accountable. So what I'm going to do is that I'm going to start on a journey, and I'm going to, I'm going to teach on three very, very important codes. These are U.S. codes. This is in, in, in the rule of common law may need to go back and do some education on the Magna Carta and where common law derives from and common law is for the people. And there's that this is <laughs> understanding that our constitutional birth in the revolution against from tyranny came from a very much a biblical worldview and that our rights are divine. The reference to the divine nature of our unalienable rights codified in our, our Declaration of Independence is it's replete. It's all through. It's it's like the, the blood vessels pumping the blood of freedom through that document. And it's all divine. So my messaging comes from that divine spark that I want to honor and respect that document and how that document was built in advance to deal with issues that couldn't be dealt with in at the crafting of that document. Our founding fathers knew that they had a huge issue that they needed to contend with with the slavery in our country. They knew it. But that was a massive problem off to the side. But they constructed this framework that they could deal with that at the appropriate time. They couldn't deal with everything. So when, we're, when I'm talking particularly about a school board, I got issues that I got to deal with the school board. But the issue... The slavery um, correlation to the school board issue is the Department of Education. So the school board, the, the, the political subdivision of the school board and the relationship with the unions and the teachers and the state and, and the federal government and IDEA and all these tentacles, you can't attach, the, you can't attack the Kraken. We got to deal with one thing at a time. So yes, the Department of Education is the equivalent of slavery that our founding fathers knew existed. I know it's a problem, the, D, 
Department of Education is a problem, but I can't go after the Department of Education. I need to deal with it locally before I can go after the Kraken's head. So I'm going to be providing maybe on video. So the podcast, I will probably do a video overlay that it can be like a vlog that you can, you can follow along on these codes. So these codes are called US, United States codes. And I'm going to give you three that we're going to be talking about. One is 18 USC 241. That has to do with conspiracy. It is related to the conspiracy of depriving citizens of their constitutional liberties and freedoms. And a conspiracy is when two or more or involved do deprive a citizen of their rights. Our rights being freedom of speech, the freedom of the press, the freedom of religion, the freedom to vote, the freedom to protect ourselves with a black powdered instrument that comes with a full metal jacket, the right to be free from unreasonable search or seizures of our person is protected under the Fourth Amendment, absent of a warrant supported by probable cause. We have the freedom that we do not need to speak. We have a right that we don't have, we're not obligated to answer any question of anyone. So I don't need to surrender my Fourth Amendment for anyone, absent of a warrant for arrest supported by probable cause. I don't need to speak to anyone until I'm before a judge and that he is going to hold me in contempt for not speaking. Requires a tremendous amount of courage and bravery to understand the power of being free in the face of those that have been trained and taught with the tactics to use their authority unlawfully. So 18 USC 241 has to do when two or more people are conspiring or colluding to deprive you of your rights. So my interaction with a school board where there's nine people on that school board that are acting in unison to silence my ability to speak, they're conspiring against me. I have afforded them the ability to object to their unlawful actions. And when no one speaks up and says, I disagree, there happened to be one individual who said, I am not going to stand by and allow this to happen, but I'm outnumbered. There's eight of you and one of me. And you're going to do what you're going to do, but I'm on the record to objecting to you doing this. I'm not going to participate in this conspiracy. So I will have evidence to support my own experience in those conspiring. And the conspiracy evidence that I have that is growing and mounting is related to the school board. It's related to law enforcement, a matter of three state troopers and a local policeman. It's, a load, it's, relate, it's related to the county detectives. It's related to 53 chiefs of police that have been put on blast on an APB relative to my activities. It's related to a district attorney that is part of this collusion and conspiracy. So we'll, we'll be able to hear that evidence. But the next one is 18 USC 242. And that really gets into the meat of what a deprivation of a right is. So that is in the criminal domain. 18 U.S.C. 241 and 18 U.S.C. 242 are criminal charges for when public servants step outside their authority and 
infringe upon the civil rights of a law-abiding citizen. Those are criminal. Now there's another one, which is called 42 U.S.C. 1983. This is also a deprivation of rights under color of law, the ability to assert authority over an individual, to have them comply with demands that are unlawful, that silence your freedom, restrain your speech, move you from a place that you're lawfully allowed to be, to kidnap you. I'm giving you some examples of actions that are codified in 1983. So here are a few of them. Threats. I'm going to threaten to arrest you. I'm going to arrest you under defiant trespass unless you follow my unless you follow my demand to leave right now. Well, absent of a crime, that's unlawful. I'll dive into that. I am going to coerce you. I'm going to intimidate you by bringing two or three of my brothers that have got these utility belts of destruction and death and mayhem with pain compliance devices and electronic stimulation that could put my heart into defibrillation. They're going to use that intimidation. They're going to put me in duress. These are all words codified in 1983. I use the acronym ITDC, intimidation, threat, duress, and coercion. But there's more. There's violence. There's false imprisonment. There's kidnapping. The list is long. So while you may not be familiar with these codes, I'm going to bring these codes right up on my screen. I'm going to read them to you and provide commentary on them. So I'm going to give you this foundation. Then I'm going to dive in a little bit later. I'm going to dive maybe episode four. We're going to dive into Graham versus Connor. We're going to dive into Terry v. Ohio. We're going to dive into Fraser v. Cup and understand this power differential that a Supreme Court has afforded our public servants, this latitude to do things against us. And then I'm going to give you the offsetting side as to what we need to do as citizens to stand in the face of these unlawful actions. So that is going to be the framework of building structure around the scaffolding. Then soon after that, I'm going to give you some commentary relative to the hubris and pompous ignorance. I'm going to say the word ignorant with the defined meaning of lack of knowledge. That these board members have been served and I'm going to allow their words to speak. I will cut the audio file out of these school board meetings and allow you to hear what they say. And then I'm going to pause it. And then I'm going to say, this is not a correct representation of the law. And I will have the documents of my research that says, you don't have the authority to make these statements in which you are. And you don't have the authority to act this way. And oh, by the way, because I understand Graham v. Connor and the importance of me being reasonable to unreasonable public servants, I have to give them every opportunity to correct. And when I've given them every opportunity to correct, how they spit in my face, how they think it's a mockery of a citizen to know that 18 U.S.C. 241, 242, and 1983 even exists and they will refuse to even do a Google search to look it up. And they defer unlawfully to school board counsel when they're being litigated personally. They stepped outside their bounds. They, these school board members have received official letter of intent to sue. 
they don't even know what that means. What that means is it's a federal requirement. Prior to entering into federal court, I have to show reasonableness in the attempt to correct the unreasonable decisions and actions of school board members prior to walking them into federal court. So their attorney hasn't advised them of this. If he has, they're not sharing it with the public. They're keeping it to themselves and they're thinking that this will just disappear. Not true. And that they think that they have qualified immunity. Well, unfortunately, I will make that letter that I provided to all of those eight criminal actors violating their oath available to the public. And let's see how reasonable I was in informing them that you are not operating under your qualified immunity protection. I've done everything I have deemed possible to let you know that you're outside your lane. And I'm giving you the opportunity to repent and correct. Now you have to repent, correct, and apologize for the criminal actions that you perpetrated against me, but you're spitting in my face again. That's okay. See, the school board thinks I'm out for justice against them. Unfortunately, they've been in possession of an ebook that says, I don't desire justice from you. I just want you to honor your oath and stay in your lane. Justice is not for me to, to claim. I just want you to honor your oath. If you can't honor your oath, then don't take one. Don't take one. Get out of there. But if you raise your arm and hand and, and affirm that you're going to uphold the laws of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and the Constitution of the United States and you have no regard for it, then you don't have regard for it. Don't raise your hand. So I've been reasonable. And they're saying they're going to ignore it, which I'm totally fine with ignoring my letter of intent to sue because all I'm doing is following man's justice. I'm following what the federal court says. So the federal court requires me to attempt to reason with the public servants and notify them, you're violating my constitutional rights. And I wish you would fix your errors. If you don't fix your errors, here are your consequences. And I have, there's a timeline, 30 days. 30 days, you can make this go away. You need to restore the damage that you've created and you need to compensate me for the harm that you've done. And that is a reasonable offer. Well, they're saying, they're pretty much flipping me off in a bless your heart kind of way, which is okay. Because after the 30th day, I've satisfied the needs of the federal government. And that while they don't believe a letter of intent to sue is of any consequence based upon their own interpretation or the improper advice from a mechanic, the plumber, who should be saying, I'm a plumber, man. This is civil rights. I'm not a civil rights attorney. I, 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 this is out of my swim lane, man. And oh, by the way, he's not suing the school board. He's suing you personally. This document is saying you're, you're being sued personally. I don't have standing to represent you because I'm the counsel for the school board. He's suing you personally, not as a school board member, because he's notified you that you're, you're violating your oath. So when you violate your oath, you don't have that qualified immunity protection anymore. But that, unfortunately, that attorney is giving them poor advice. But that's not my job to to govern the advice coming from school council. Let them figure it out. So when I get to the court and I make my official filing, they'll receive a summons, a federal summons to them personally. So I'm going to be 
giving us the foundational information, the, the framework, the scaffolding, then I'm going to be walking through some more of these Supreme Court precedent, and then I'm going to be providing some commentary directly out of the mouths of the school board. And I, the reason I'm doing this is for educational purposes. The majority of citizens are, how, what should I say, inoculated in fear. Anxiety, fear is legitimate, and it is a hobbling emotional condition. And the fear is legitimate, folks. It is completely legitimate because we have allowed our authority, those in authority, the, these, these Supreme Court justices that are unelected with lifetime appointments are not accountable to we, the people. They're appointed by presidents and they have advice and consent and questions being thrown at them by, by a committee. They're not for us. And if you were ever to listen to these Supreme Court arguments and listen to the, the ruling opinion, the decision, the precedent, the, the deciding opinions, the majority, and listen to the dissenting opinions, you will have an awareness of all of those judges into what their moral fiber background is. And it's absolutely deplorable when, when I hear a dissenting opinion from Alito relative to a minor child that was raped, I want to get sick to my stomach. And you think Alito's a good guy. Or Clarence Thomas, who's silent for 10 years, silent for 10 years, and then to hear his commentary and his opinions, you're like, wait a minute. But we have these other people coming, Gorsuch, Listen to some of their reasoning. When you understand the pedigree of these people and who they are beholden to as to influence their decision as it comes out of their mouth, it gives you a whole nother perspective as to the selection process for putting these people in power and lifetime appointments. And folks, it's not for we the people. It's never been for we the people. So I, I understand that the fear is legitimate and that the fight is difficult and hard. And the way I fight is not, I'm not going to bring up arms. I'm not going to put fists out. I'm going to submit to the, um, I'm going to turn my cheek. You want to aggress against me? I'm going limp. You are going to be the person that is going to be the maker, meet the maker, and have to answer for your actions against the fellow humans. Because stop, drop, and roll is not going to work where these people are going. It's not going to work. And my goal is to give you the opportunity to have those scales removed from your eyes to understand God's truth and how we are all Imago Dei. We're all image bearers of God. And we need to rebel against our sinful nature. I have a tough time with it, admittedly. My language can, can get in front of me, and I need to apologize and restore and seek forgiveness for when I do that. But there are times where man needs to be man, 
and stand up in the face of that tyranny and take action. Silence isn't action. It's submission. And action doesn't need to be violence. Action just needs to be standing there with your head back and your shoulders back and saying, not today, Satan. Not today. So I come from a position of love. And I want to help people embrace the kind of love that I study to love our fellow humans and give them the ability to recognize when they're doing things wrong, which violate another human and say, stop, stop, turn, go, go a different direction, go a different direction. As I approach federal court, I want to have evidence that echoes everything that is put in my ebook that has been put out in advance. I don't hope to arrive in federal court. That is not my desire. That's not my wish. But I am, play, I am prepared in the event that the public servants choose that that's where they want this to wind up. This school board's actions, I don't want them to go into federal court. I don't. It's a tremendous amount of effort and expense and burden to me. But that's where our, this is where our country establishes justice when people violate their oath and break the law. It's man's justice system. So I'm only allowing them to be brought before the tribunal that has been established by our fathers, our founding fathers in our country to hold them accountable. Now, do I trust that system? No, because it's man's system. I hope I have learned enough and am prepared enough that when I enter into man's system, that I've studied enough of what man's process is, that I tip the balance and that there is overwhelming evidence of my public servants being unreasonable, defiant, and, and pretty much ignorant. And they chose not to heed the warnings as each warning was put before them. And the judge goes, yeah, the, that wasn't reasonable. That wasn't, re he told you. Then you didn't heed them. That, that's not reasonable. You did your research? Nope, that's not reasonable. You got this letter of intent to sue and he offered you the ability to settle if you did these things. Why are we here? Why didn't you accept the settlement? Well, we were advised that we didn't have to. Well, that's not reasonable. Did you go out and get additional counsel? Because he referenced these 18 USC 241, 242 and 1983. Did you even Google what that was? No, we were trusting. Well, that's not reasonable. And how many times did you Im he inform you of this? Oh my gosh, he's got an inventory over here. I see he gave you an ebook. Did you read his ebook? No, that's not. So I want to have evidence on my side that the judge says, Mr. Miller, you've been incredibly reasonable with these folks and said, you're honored. Absolutely. I didn't want to be here. I did didn't want to be here. All I wanted to do was to speak. And here's what I wanted to say, Your Honor. Here's a printed document that I just wanted to say that Please don't do this. Well, I couldn't even allow my vocal cords to emit because they criminalize my ability to speak in violation of Murdoch v. Pennsylvania, Your Honor. And I want the judge and or the jury to hear that I'm not a normal citizen. I tried. I tried everything that the Supreme Court told me I need to do to help my public servants make the wise choice. But it's not reasonable for them to honor their oath. It's not reasonable for them to comply with the law. It's not reasonable. So what I'm preparing for people to hear as you go through this journey, this is a symptom, folks. This is a symptom. 
that the disease is not just in one school district. It's not in one county. It's not in one district. It's not in one state. The underpinning of this scaffolding I'm talking to you about, that is the, the in, in encroachment of fear upon us, is our entire country. We, the people, have allowed this to go to this point. It didn't happen yesterday. It didn't happen last week, last month, last year, last decade. So right after the foundation of our documents, the powers that be got more and more power. And our passivity, our silence, our compliance allowed them to make more power. So isn't it interesting that we allowed our elected officials to grant themselves a pay raise of 20%. And you know what? Those people that are on assistance get a 5% cost of living increase from 21 to 2022 when inflation is above 8%. So they're having a 3% loss in the benefits that they receive because inflation and the the cost of living increase don't match. But our public officials get a 20% kick in addition to the other legal protections and advantages that they get. But I'm saying this is our fault. I own my own complacency as I've grown up. I've had my little fights off to the side where I've advocated for the things that were passionate to me And I don't have a child in this school district, but I have a heart for the young minds, the voice for the voiceless, because the parents don't know how to fight. I want to give them the resources to make a decision. I'm just going to keep bitching, and I don't want to know, but I want to give them the ability if they want to know, they can learn. Just listen to a 25-minute podcast and just increase your your base of knowledge, because I know you won't read. It's not reasonable for somebody to read or to listen to an hour and a half long Supreme Court argument. So allow me the opportunity to take, ask you to to, to devote 20 minutes, 25 minutes of your time every couple of days to reclaim power. So I'm going to wrap this up. As I say, put this in your intellectual pipe and smoke it. Take care. Welcome to Modern.